from the Gospel according to Matthew. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now a reading from the second letter to the Corinthians. But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work with us, but life in you. And a reading from the book of Revelation. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. Friends, since the... Sunday following Easter, we have been following along verse by verse, word by word, in the opening lines of Jesus' great sermon on the mount. We've been thinking about the blessings, the beatitudes that Jesus pronounced upon us as the kingdom of God is ushered into the world, especially in his life and continuing in the life of the Spirit. Many of the Beatitudes, many of the blessings that Jesus pronounces to us are about things that we experience, things that we know, but truth be told, none of these things are things that we like to think about. Jesus says, blessed are you when you are mourning, blessed are you when you are powerless and weak. Blessed are you even when you try to be a peacemaker and find yourself only being shot at from all sides and not just from one. With this particular beatitude, a beatitude that some think of as two distinct ones, Jesus begins to talk about something that nobody ever wants to think about. Blessed are you when you are persecuted reviled, spoken poorly about. 
Some suggest these were two separate Beatitudes, and there's a good case for that. I see them as the same thing. Jesus is speaking now to us about what happens when the world is going against us. Blessed are you when you are persecuted because you're doing the right thing. Sometimes the world is not doing the right thing. That's what righteousness is, doing the right thing. Blessed are you when you are persecuted because you are following the right God, the true God, not all the false gods, but the one true one. In both of these things, Jesus is speaking with us about what happens when we are going against the flow. Have any of you ever turned down the wrong ramp and started driving the wrong way on a freeway? That can be a problem, can't it? I've never done that yet, thank God. But I do remember a time that Helen and I were at the Rose Bowl. We were on the Stanford side of the stadium wearing the red and white of Stanford colors. And yet somehow we got turned around and trying to go to find our seats. We found ourselves going against the flow of traffic and all of the traffic were wearing the green and white of Michigan State. And it took us a while to get where we were going. Now I can't say that we were persecuted because of that, but we did get some strange looks. That's what Jesus is talking about in a theoretical sort of sense. Blessed are you when you are going against the flow of those who are doing wrong, but you want to do right. Those who are following the wrong gods, those who want to follow and do follow the one true Lord and Savior of all. As we think more about persecution about the trouble that we have when we're going against the flow, we have to admit that there's a lot of persecution in the world, a lot of trouble and difficulty, some of which we may have in our own lives. It's really not about faith. It's not about belief. Every day, in this country as well as in all others, people are persecuted because they're different. Maybe they have a different color of skin. Maybe they speak with a different accent. Maybe they have different politics than everybody else around. People are persecuted when they disagree with others. And in a way, Jesus is speaking about this kind of persecution as well. He's not talking just to Christians. Isn't that an interesting thought? Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for those who are doing the right thing. He doesn't say blessed are Christians. He says blessed is everyone if they're doing the right thing. Because doing the right thing is very close to what it means to be in the kingdom of God. He becomes a bit more specific, narrows the conversation down a little bit as he continues the beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted and reviled for my sake. Blessed are those who are going against the flow because they follow me the Lord and Savior. We have to think about all those different kinds of persecution as we think about what persecution is. 
The way I think about persecution, we need to look at it as sort of a thing that has a, a scale or begins at one place and escalates in terms of its seriousness. There are lots of folks who want to say to me that they are persecuted today. They're persecuted because there's soccer practice at the same time that there's church on Sunday morning. Or they're persecuted because in the workplace they're not supposed to say Merry Christmas anymore. They're just supposed to say Happy Holidays. Well, I get that. I get that that's an issue, and there are some things to talk about there. But frankly, that kind of persecution does not rise to the level of being called persecution in my book. It just doesn't cut the mustard. Inconvenience? Yes. Worrisome sometimes? Yes. Part of broader symptoms in the society? Maybe. But that's not persecution. Persecution is when you are cut off from the economic life of your community and you can't make a living for your family. Persecution is when you're cut off from social contacts with others in your community and you don't find a way to live successfully for yourself or your children. Persecution is when you are restricted from going here or from going there, when you are not allowed to practice your belief in any way, shape, or form. Persecution is when people commit acts of violence against your possessions, against your home. Persecution is when you are forcibly relocated from one place to the next. Persecution is when you face the possibility of mortal danger and even murder. That's persecution. Persecution is what happens today in places like Sri Lanka or Indonesia or Syria, or Charleston, South Carolina, or Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or Poway, California. There are lots of places we can look in our own country, lots of places we can look outside to see where people are living by the truth of their faith and proclaiming the truth of the one true Lord, and they're getting in trouble for it. One place that's been popping up in the news recently is in Hong Kong. Hong Kong shares a certain degree of political flexibility and freedom that the rest of China does not. A law has been proposed that would allow the government to extradite people from Hong Kong back to the mainland. People who are standing up for their freedom and for the rights and the things that you and I enjoy as citizens and residents of the United States of America. There's a fascinating thing that's been going on. I hope some of you have heard about it. I just heard about it a few days ago. Many of the protests against these proposed laws have been led by Christians. They're at the forefront of standing up for human rights, human freedoms as we understand them to be given by God. And one of the ways that they protest is by singing a song. Have you read about it? Apparently in Hong Kong, there are many restrictions placed upon political gatherings and demonstrations, but there are essentially no restrictions when it comes to Christian worship. And so when the Christians gather together, sometimes by the hundreds of thousands or even millions in Hong Kong, to protest against these proposed unjust laws, they sing 
a particular song because then they are worshiping God and the government can do nothing about it. They're singing a song. The tune was written in 1974. One verse was added to it. The original verses that are all on page 771 in our hymnal, those original verses come from the very, very early centuries of the life of the church. The one verse that was written that was added that those folks are singing in Hong Kong, perhaps even now that we are speaking, is from the song, Sing Alleluia to the Lord. Some of you know it. You can do it in a round, actually. Sing alleluia to the Lord. Sing alleluia to the Lord. Sing alleluia. Sing alleluia. Sing alleluia to the Lord. That is radical protest that protects our brothers and sisters, and we're being told now that it's not just the Christians who are singing, it's the Buddhists, it's the atheists, it's the Republicans and the Democrats, it's everybody in Hong Kong that are singing this Christian song. Talk about appreciating music. Why don't we admit something to ourselves today? Let's admit that you and I, for the most part, never have, never will face true persecution for our faith. There are some in our community of faith here who have, and they have escaped. But you and I have never faced the possibility of a militant army marching into town at night and saying to us that if we won't leave, they will chop our heads off. But Helen and I have visited with people from Iraq and from Syria who had that choice to make. Let's be honest, you and I do not face the kind of persecution of which Jesus spoke, that he himself suffered, that his early followers suffered, that his followers even today in many places of the world suffer under. Let's also admit that it's easy to ignore that there is such persecution in the world. We read the headlines, we hear the stories about Christians who are killed because of their faith, and others, by the way. Persecution is not just limited to the Christian world. And we say, too bad, so sad. When is Game of Thrones going to be on? Let's admit that, and then let's think more about it. Yes, sometimes we do face pushback against our faith. Sometimes we do face difficult decisions and difficult acts in our lives when we know that we must do the right thing, but the wrong thing is so easy and so popular. How do we withstand? How do our brothers and sisters facing true persecution withstand the pressure? Paul wrote about it in his second letter to the Corinthians. Let's briefly look at that. Paul says, you know, we have the truth of God. We know the beauty of God in our lives. And we hold all of this, though, in our own lives as if we're holding eternal treasure 
in earthen vessels. We are like terracotta pots, <laughs> so easy to break. And yes, we are easy to break. We can be tortured, we can be persecuted, we can be murdered, we can break. But the truth of who we are and the truth of who God is and the truth of who we will be is an eternal treasure. Paul would write to the Corinthians. He would write to the whole church. He writes to the church today, to Christians that I know and some that you know. And he says, we are afflicted, we are crushed, we are persecuted, we are struck down, but we keep going. Because the power to persevere comes from God. Whatever difficulty you might face in your life that results from your decision to follow Jesus and your decision to do as Jesus would do, you can persevere, you can continue because of the power of God that is in you. Jesus, when he was speaking to that first gathering in that first sermon that he preached, talked about the fact that we would receive our reward in heaven. John picked up on that idea and saw that reward pictured before him in the great revelation experience when he saw that an untold number of believers and followers of Jesus Christ wearing crystal white robes washed in deep red blood stood before the throne of God, praising the Lamb of God who had been sacrificed for us all, praising the Shepherd of God who cares for us all, praising the King of God who reigns in power for us all. Reminding us and especially reminding those who sometimes lose their very lives that Jesus the king who was executed on the cross also rose from the grave and now reigns victorious in power with God and the Spirit forever and ever. What do you and I do with all of this? I expect to walk out of this sanctuary today and have a couple of committee meetings, go visit with some folks, eat some lunch, take a nap, go to a concert, I don't face real persecution, and neither do you. So what am I going to do with this beatitude? Say, well, that's nice that Jesus said that for those folks who are suffering real persecution. But you know, I can't leave it at that. Because I have brothers and sisters. You have brothers and sisters who have lost loved ones whose lives have been at mortal risk and still are. And because they're our family, we have to do more. We have to begin by looking at our own lives. We have to begin by saying that, you know, Jesus said that we would disrupt everything as we go against the flow. If your life is flowing so smoothly now, that there's nothing wrong, it's all going well, then you have a question to ask, as do I. 
maybe I'm going too much with the flow. Maybe I need to be standing up and going a different direction every now and then and learning more and more how to follow my Savior and only my Savior, regardless of where he leads, even if it's going against the grain. That's where it starts, but then it continues from there because as I follow that Savior and as you do, he leads us against the grain and he leads us against the world's way of just denying the problems that are around us and he leads us to go and be with those brothers and sisters who truly do suffer. Some of us are privileged to go to places like Kenya or Syria and literally be with the persecuted church. If you cannot go, you can still participate. You can still stand up and say to your own government, let's take care of other people. You can stand up and say, let's remember our history and our constitution and our highest moral ideals that welcome people into our country who are escaping persecution, who are escaping the hardships of living life in terrible places and want to come and be here just as did our ancestors, our families. Maybe we can give up a little bit of our precious substance and send it to people who need it so badly because they are persecuted, they are afflicted, they are struck down, they are crushed, but they are not defeated. Personally, I cannot stand back and watch as brothers and sisters and as others of other faiths sometimes suffer because of what they believe and suffer because of doing the right thing. You and I have to read this beatitude. And we have to live this beatitude, if not for ourselves, then for the sake of brothers and sisters in the faith. By whose faithfulness the gospel is proclaimed in every corner of the world, even where the powers of evil stand against it. It's our responsibility, it's our calling. It is our privilege and our joy. Pray with me. Almighty God, we thank you for saints of the past and saints of the present, by whose faithfulness the gospel is proclaimed in word and in deed. We thank you for your challenge and your call to us to be part of your church and to stand with it everywhere in those places where it's easy and comfortable and good and in those places where it's tough, in those places where it threatens to undo us, but especially in those places that need your healing and renewing and loving touch, the touch of the Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.